Hey everybody, it's been a long time. Welcome back to Giggless. Welcome to the Giggless Podcast, a podcast showcasing the works and talents of those who lost their gigs during the COVID-19 pandemic. This podcast will feature a range of creators from the Tri-State area who are young visionaries and who contribute to their craft despite the recent events that have happened. Join us today as our host, Remy Leibovic, speaks with Austin Katino. Austin's unique eye for photography has captured living through COVID-19 and familial ties, as well as showcasing his work during quarantine. You can learn more about Austin and his other projects in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy. Today, we are joined by local South Jersey photographer and Philadelphia photographer, Austin Catino. Hi, Austin. Hi, Remy. How are you? I'm good. Oh, and I am your host, Remy Leibovic. <laughs> so, Austin, how has this pandemic quarantine been for you? It's, so, per, like, personally, I'm a... Are you, I'm a person that likes to, um, I spend a lot of time at home and in, and in my studio. So I, I'm kind of like an introvert in that, those regards. So um, I, it hasn't affected me that much besides not being able to see my work in person. And I missed one. I was really looking forward to, um, I had an opening on March 12th at Philadelphia Photo Arts Center. And I was really looking forward to meeting the other artists and stuff I wasn't able to go because that's when start of COVID or like the middle of it started happening. Yeah. I remember I wanted to go to that show. Yeah. I was, I, was I was really disappointed about it because like so many Rutgers people were planning on going, like faculty and um, some of my professors and some Antonelli people and just friends in the area. I felt really bummed that I, um, I, let the, I felt like I let them down because I, it was last minute and canceled and stuff. It's not your fault. I it's, know, but it's, it's know. still was tough. Yeah. Absolutely. What was for our listeners that are tuning in? What was that show about? And could you describe some of the pieces that you put in there? All right. So it was the ten-year teen photo anniversary for Philadelphia Photo Arts Center. It's the program's been in existence for ten years. I was the second class, so I'm one of the older student. Well, I was one of the older oldest alumni. Um, I started at the teen photo program in 2011 and I had my exhibit there in 2012. And this was the 10 year anniversary, well, not of me, but of the whole program. So I was able to put more work in um, and just see me and uh, see and meet other um, alumni from 2010 until current. So I was really excited just to meet new people and you know, talk about photos. Um, so the work in my exhibit was kind of like my response to um, a traumatic episode I had, which um, I won't go into detail in here. I'm going to have an artist talk about it at Philadelphia Photo Arts Center on August 26th, I think. So I'll go into detail there about it. But it's really personal, and um, I was really I, I was really looking forward to getting feedback from my about the work. And so far, like I talked to one of the people that works at PPAC. So far, like eight people have gone to see the exhibit pre um, post COVID. 
So, but it's, I'm still happy to be in, in the show. Absolutely. I think that there is, especially with photography, when photos are printed, mm-hmm. you can actually like stand in the presence of them, not like look down at a screen oh, yeah. at them. It's a completely different experience. And I definitely will put the link to that speaker on August 26th in your show notes so that people can make a note. Yeah, because it's my, it will be my first, um, besides those podcasts, first artist talk. And I'm, so I'm actually really nervous about it, but I think it's, I have to get used to it if I want to do any more. And if I want to go to grad school or anything, but I'm excited to do it. I'm nervous, but excited. Absolutely. So another thing that I want to ask you is what are some of the projects that have come out during this great time of pause? So the first, I have two projects that I that have come out of this, um, two new projects, and I've been working on some other stuff. Um, first project was actually, a, actually both of them were, they were both projects from um, my photo class I was taking at Rutgers. The first one was kind of obvious, document your life during quarantine. And both projects are up on my website, paintandgrain.com, which we put the link to that. Um, so the first project documenting my family was um, called Time of Our Lives. And I just, I live with my parents and my younger brother and I photographed them like a couple times a week, just doing um, things that were mundane, but still kind of, events like my dad was um my favorite photo from the series is my dad he was shooting at a bird there's a bird on on a roof um messing with our chimney and he was shooting close to it to just try to scare it off and a really cool photo of him pointing the gun at the camera it's it was a bb gun yeah Yeah. i saw that photo and i thought that was so interesting it's just like so bizarre and funny yeah one of my I guess just this very unique experience that I had when I was a teenager was my friends all had BB guns. I was the only one that didn't have a BB gun. And like, obviously like this was a group of a bunch of guys and they all had BB guns and they had so many BB guns that they had, they had enough to spare. So what we did was we lined up cans behind one of the guys uh apartment houses mm-hmm. and we just shot like all day and it was just like is he doing like you know that with the cans or are they mm-hmm. having like a backyard kind of shootout thing because oh, yeah. that was like it just brought me back to one of those awesome. like teenage memories that's what i love it when my work like means something completely different <laughs> to someone else or invokes like emotion that's what, like the goal of being an artist i think absolutely and um you know so like how have you adapted to the new way of working like how has your work shifted if you aren't able to necessarily like go out and gather so it kind of I feel like I've switched from taking portraits because that's besides portraits of my family I really stopped taking portraits of other people and I've started focusing more on um, some studio photography, which I, I, I know I'm familiar with, but I never really like doing. 
And this leads into like the second body of work that came out of um, quarantine, which was on um, the clouds photographs, which started as a project at Rutgers as well, um, which I did remotely, of course, where I, I, I printed a photo I got off of like one of those um, stock websites um, for free of clouds. And I used it, I printed it, I blew it up on like a 13 by 19 piece of paper. I used it as a background for, um, I would take photos of flowers and still live and other objects. And I photographed them with this cloud background and on black and white film. And this had this really nice look and I started just messing with it more and more. And just, I started like, it got into like, I want to pursue that body of work. Especially when my, um, one of my good friends, Cameron, um, said I should take a photo of cotton because, and this was before the protest and everything, but it was a, it was a cool experience. And I wrote, that's probably my favorite piece in the, the show in the in the um portfolio. Yeah, and your sunflower piece is like one thing that I really love. Thank you. I was um with that. I was I ref that's definitely a more refined photo um from a development standard because I was messing with developers and um because I shoot traditional film. And I think I really nailed the, the developing process with that photo, and which is awesome for because I, I recorded it, so I know how to do it for the next thing I photograph. Have you been at a lack of like? Have you had a lack of resources to making your photography, or do you pretty much have like an at-home setup? I have. Well, I'm really fortunate. I have everything I need at home. Um, in terms of lighting and like lighting and camera equipment and stuff like that. Where it's really hurt is the um the expense of, of film and paper and ink. Because like I don't really print print that much. I print for shows, but I don't have I don't like leave printing and just leaving prints hanging around my house because it's expensive to print and if there's no if there's no end goal for the print, there's no reason to waste paper. Um but yeah the a pack of Kodak Triax is like 40 bucks now for five rolls of film, but it's worth it because the, the look I get is just, I love it. So, yeah. But Absolutely. I'm um, selling some of my prints soon to, um, to like fund making more work. So I think you know what the question that I'm going to ask next is. Uh, so you were recently in a very big magazine and you were featured and a, a coffee table book which was produced by this magazine which is even cooler i think that's even so tell our, our tell our audience about this incredible thing that just happened like two weeks ago okay so i was um a friend told me about a call for art call for art on instagram for, from v magazine which is a, a fashion magazine um one of the smaller ones but still a big a big deal and as it was v magazine and then Gigi hadid was um who's a fashion um a, a famous model and fashion icon she was the um the guest editor for this magazine i applied through a hashtag on instagram which i thought was like they were never going to see my work because it's it's based off of like analytics and stuff, and I didn't have that many followers. Still don't compare to some of these other artists who had like tens of thousands of followers. But 
Gigi Hadid actually saw my work and she said she like it was very strong and she loved a lot of like the protest photos like so a couple of years ago and I, it was just an awesome experience interacting with her and the V magazine team and um, so and my photo which is called portrait of American of an American family which I took in my living room with my parents and my brother they thought it was me at first because they didn't, they've never met me so that was kind of funny um it ended up being printed in this book and as yeah it was uh it was a really cool experience yeah. do you have the book with you yeah i can show you well i mean the viewers can't see it but but we can i'll describe it i'll describe it for them like this is incredible that you were able to be printed mm -hmm. glows in the dark too oh well, sorry. all right so it's yeah, I, I, the movement is calling to hashtag defund the police, hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then it's a bunch of cartoony hands in red, white, and blue, and also some brown hands overlapping and holding. There's the hashtags, there's some eyeballs that are all looking at it. And um, yeah, it's, an, it's, it's the cover. The back cover, yeah, the front. The back cover. This is we can't really see on here. This glows in the dark. What is it? What does it look like? Because I'm just seeing white. What yeah. is it? It's a. An, it says the GG Journal, and there's like an hourglass. Which, ah. Which reminds me of the Watchmen. I don't think that was their intent, but that's all when I think of a glass. Not an hourglass, a clock face. Okay. So I'll show you my page. Oh, and I got a, a letter. I forgot. I got a personal letter signed by Gigi. What does it say? Okay, if you it. want to read it. We would like to express our gratitude to you for your beautiful contribution to the Gigi Journal Part 2. With this project, V set out to not only encapsulate our, our, our current moment, but also help initiate change. Today, as we flip through the pages of the Gigi Journal Part 2, composed by a diverse group of artists and activists, your voices shine even brighter than we could ever imagine. I think that's why it goes in the dark. Um, yeah. Thank you for helping to bring Gigi Journal Part 2 to life, and congratulations. Many thanks, Gigi, Hadid, and Stephen Gaunt, who's the um, the editor. It was, yeah, and they both signed it. It's so cool. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'll bring you to my page. And for our listeners, it's a thin book. It's not thick, but it's a very, like, thin book if you ever had those olivia books as a child that's about the thinness of it yeah i think it's there are 35 or some, something artists so there's uh, which is crazy because I, I think a couple thousand people applied so through hashtags yeah and they found my work and they really liked it I'm just going to shout out to anyone who's never worked with like a photographer. He is never going to be on his Instagram. <laughs> Photos of him or her will never be on their Instagram. Oh, yeah. And this is over. That's, that's just so. What does the writing on the left say? Oh, that's like an art, not an artist statement, but it's like about the artist. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's about like you. The photo and like some questions like what my favorite song was or, or favorite song is i said um song. I, I just chose like some random islamic youth song 
but you can't go wrong with the Sonic Youth. Um, yeah. And just like partial like Q and A stuff. So if you get the book, you'll you'll able you'll be able to find more find out more about me. One of my favorite Sonic Youth songs. That's right. The the photo is so great in that printed format. I think that that's like so striking to turn a page and, and then see right. that. I was actually I was inspired by um. There's a famous R Richard Avedon who shot a lot of um black, black contrasty black and white on white backgrounds. There's a famous photo we took of Martin Luther King um his son Martin Luther King's son and his Martin Luther King's father and they're positioned in the same space the same way not the same way like the same I guess kind of like a triangle pattern but that's a big inspiration for me for photographing my family. And, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, and it's funny because I just I saw that photo around because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to photograph for this book. So you only you're only given a week to do it, which is a which is not. I mean, it's a lot of time. It, it's a good amount of time for me, but it, it was still stressful. And so I saw I was just researching photos, and Avedon's a big influence of mine. And I saw that photo. I'm like, I should recreate this, but put my own spin on it. Right. So this would be this would definitely count as something like a gig that you've done during the quarantine. Oh, yeah. Have you no, done no, any no. like yeah. other things? Not well. I've applied. I've been applying to um, res not not residencies on like art related on kind of things like grants and stuff. But I, I just haven't heard back from any of them yet. Yeah. I think the next biggest thing I'm looking forward to is um I applied at there's um a call for art at the print center and um mm -hmm. in Philadelphia which is a very big deal um if I get anything in because like you could get a photo a purchase award from the Philadelphia Museum of Art you have your own solar exhibit at um at the print center there's a lot of stuff you can possibly get if you um if the judges like your work. So and I'll hear back on September 11th about that. Um, I don't know, I'm, I'm really like excited just to, because if I, I don't get if I don't get anything at the very least, um, I have this, this, the judge look at my work, who's a really big in the photo community. He's, um, yeah, he's a pretty big important guy for his name, of course. But. It's okay. I think that definitely to keep up the effort and to try and try again oh, yeah. is is very important. And I think that it's um I think that's very important for artists to keep trying and keep going at things, especially when there's so many can at this point there's so many publications, there's so many indie uh, productions. There's just so much out there that you can just apply and get your name on and add it to a portfolio that like, you know, if you don't get into one thing, maybe something else will take it. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really big positive. And like the hat, like I seriously didn't think I was going to get chosen to be in the GG journal. And I was like, it's a hashtag. I just put it on my photo. Like what the heck? Something awesome yeah. And something awesome did happen. I think that, like I said, I think that there's there's definitely something to say about um photography when it comes to 
the online space or like the Instagram space. I feel like Instagram is a way for photographers to like demonstrate their artwork. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the real craft and technique goes beyond that platform. Yeah. I think I wouldn't, I wouldn't be as successful without Instagram. Just mainly because I have so many other people looking at my work. I've met a lot of cool people I would have never met on Instagram. Yeah. And so, like, so before the GG Journal and right now, mm-hmm. ha- do you have, like, a daily routine or a day job that you do? Or do you assign yourself tasks? Like, okay. what's your mentality as a creative? I've been focusing a lot on exercise. Um, I like to wake up really super early, like, for some reason. I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Like, I wake up at, like, 6 in the morning. And I work out for an hour. I do. I, I start getting into running too, which is. I always feel like I'm gonna fall over and die, but it's it's a great like I love the runner's high. I do Bless that. you. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's scary, but it's it's a great feeling. Um, I do that. I I haven't. I've been just. I'm still a student at Rutgers, and I haven't been working. Um, I don't have any job right now, but I've been focusing on my art. Um trying to take i'm still working on like the cloud photos and doing the um still life stuff from time to time not as frequently but when i'm not like working um making art i I do a lot of research and looking at photos and reading photos and interviews with photographers and stuff yeah and that keeps you inspired yes yeah That's, you know, I think that inspiration can come from anywhere at this point. Mm -hmm. And I think as artists, like, just to keep, like, I've been going offline and more into the books that I had purchased over the years of art school. I've been reading more of those. I've been, I've been going more from, like, digital to print in that sense. I've been really into is um cinema. Um, I love watching like really good movies. Like, I wish I could afford the um Criterion channel on streaming because that's like that's awesome. I love watching Criterion collection movies, and I've also been really getting into like Korean films. Um, like yeah, like Old Boy. Um, the Parasite obviously is the big one. That was a great film, by the way. Yeah, I was watching this. Um. And um, yeah, I just I think just that's my biggest inspiration is film and cinema and um and music too. What's some of your favorite films that you've watched during um, uh the quarantine? I did see Parasite last week for the first time. I was really late, but it was, it was a great um. It's another movie that I I have I. I might have to get back to you on that because I, I've seen a lot of movies and you put me on the spot. It's okay. <laughs> but the other um, thing I've been doing too is looking a lot at my old work, like from because I've been taking photos for at least ten years. Wow. And so I've been looking at like stuff from high school and Antonelli Institute and just old film shots I've taken that I used to really love, but now I, I can't stand. I think that helps too. 
So have you been returning to your roots? Um, I think in a way, I think I've never really changed. Like, um, I mean, like, cause there's a couple of, sh- like, there's a shot I took a self-portrait of myself when I was in high school, when I'm in the middle of the frame. Like, and that's something if you, if you're, anyone's familiar with my work, that's something I, like, I'm obsessed about. I love putting things in the middle of my frame. I don't know what, really why. I think it's just easier to read. And it's like, and it's, it's, it's more rules. like, how is it breaking the rules? It's not, well, they're not. A lot of people um, that shoot, it's always the rule of thirds, like the, the learnings. The first thing you learn is the rules of third. Put your subject in one third of the frame. And I always like, I like doing the opposite. It's like, this is the subject. Here you go. Well, it's beautiful work, you know? Your family's definitely the rule of thirds. One, two, three, three people. That's the rule of threes. There you go. Rule of threes. That's, cool. that's, that's something I, I didn't know there's a difference, but there's a, it's a, there's a, that's a, that's the reason I'm not in the photo. One of the reasons is because, of, well, it would be hard to take, but uh, three subjects is better than four. Really? Could you explain that to our non-photographer people? Or just, um, I was thinking if it, it's easier to guide this viewer through the beyond the frame with three subjects because you just look at one, two, and three, and then and how they're on positioned in the photo. It's more of like a triangle shape, so it's just one shape. And um, I feel like with four, it would be. There would be too much going on. And then plus me and my brother look very much the same. We're not twins, but he's three years younger than me. But we look mm-hmm. like twins, which is very annoying when strangers ask if we're twins. But anyway, um, so I didn't want to get any confusion with that. Or, But the main thing was the compositionally. I think the triangle shape was, was perfect. Right. And so earlier you were talking about how the price in film and the price in some of the materials that you like to work with has gone up. Mm-hmm. So I know that right now, because of the pandemic, stores were closed and then supply chains were affected and then stores reopened, but the supply chains were still bad. So it's currently August. How have you how has your material been affected by all this? Luckily, the, the stores I order from have they, they, well, they've kept um, their shipping capabilities like the same. Like it, that really hasn't changed for me. But I've been stockpiling on chemicals because, I, I, like I said previously, I'm a film photographer and I develop my own film in house, which is awesome because I get total control. And these chemicals aren't that expensive. They're like. 10 to 15 dollars for a liter of like developer or something i've been like low-key hoarding it um in case i can't get it in the future because it's it stores very well and i want to be able to develop my film as long as i can but yeah the thing the annoying thing is the um the cost of film is, is too expensive but i haven't been stockpiling that but i might save up some money so i can buy like a couple of pro packs of it Right. I heard recently that Kodak wants to become a pharmaceutical company or that they're pivoting. 
I know that there's this great series on Netflix called Abstract. And oh, in the Platon. Yeah. The the episode with yes, there's one with Platon, and then there's also one with the developer of Instagram, like the guy, the graphic designer, the user experience designer behind Instagram. And in that episode, they said that when Instagram became a thing, they were the first company to, like, beat out Kodak. Okay, that's interesting. I I mean, I I believe it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. We're definitely going to fact check this. And if I'm wrong, we're going to take it out. But... um, Well, they're not the first company to beat out Kodak. That's why. Oh, well, I mean, like, the stock, it was, like, the first, like, I think digital like true digital um, platform because the photo it went from oh like you can take photos on a digital camera to oh you could take photos on your smartphone yeah that's why okay that's pretty interesting yeah so what do you think about that pivot from from film to digital or well yeah what do you think about film to digital as an artist Film's becoming very much very popular again, like especially with like Instagram photographers and stuff like that. Um, I kind of, I, I'm happy that there's so many people shooting film, but at the same time, I think it's kind of annoying. It's like, oh, Kodak Portrait 400, you gotta shoot that if you want to take good photos and stuff like that. And just like like influencers and just like, like I I like to have the reasons of why I'm shooting film. Not just the, as a trend or whatever. And it makes the, the price of cameras goes up, the film cameras, because so many people are buying them now, which is a pain. But. Yeah. And do you mean, uh, for our listeners that are hearing in, you're talking not just Polaroid, but you're talking like actual oh, um, film camera. As in, like, with an acetate based um like black and white film or c41 color film not not polaroid film or instant right. film but film you can make prints out of multiple prints i'll say that how how common are black uh black rooms red rooms dark rooms there you go the room where it's all dark and, and red, red. Yeah. um there there's not if you have a, a bathroom without windows, you can have one in your bathroom. That's the thing. There used to be um, a lot of community dark rooms. There was one at Rutgers, which kind of, that's where I got my enlarger, or my professor gave it to me, and he didn't tell anyone, which wasn't supposed to. But, <laughs> it's okay. There's no snitches on no the Giggles podcast. Yeah, so. um, yeah, dark rooms. There was a community dark room in Philly, but that closed a couple years ago. Honestly, really? Like, Why? Yeah, it was mismanaged, I believe. My friend worked there. He didn't like the owner. I don't know. I, I, I never really liked printing in the dark room, even though I printed my photos for the 10 years exhibit traditionally for some reason. But um, like it's, I'm, I'm fine developing my film myself, which you can do in the daylight. You don't need a facility to do that. And then just scanning it in and printing it with an inkjet printer. I, I love the look of that, and it's more. It's the thing with darkroom prints is every time it's a little bit different. The developer might be mixed somewhat differently, or like you might, there might be a hair, a hair on the print, and then just like leave a mark or whatever. 
So every I, I like total control. So that's why I don't really like printing in the dark room. Right. Well, we're getting into the last five minutes of the podcast. Do you have any final thoughts? I I don't think so. I I, ha- I enjoyed being on and just talking about photography. So thank you for that. Of course, I'm sorry that my verbiage isn't like up to par with photography, even though I'm dating a photographer. <laughs> it's terrible. That's okay. I think it's annoying. It's annoying just throwing out words. Uh, but, yeah. I have a few art photography books. I know that. I I see my Humans of New York one, like oh, the yeah. original. Mm-hmm. I have that one. And then my others are somewhere. Mm, I have to get some more. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely need to buy up more fo- like photography books. I think the photography books are beautiful. It's just that like. It's own art form, honestly. It's just after seeing you go through thesis and what it takes to make a photography book, like I have such respect oh, yeah. for it. Definitely, it's, like I said, it's, uh, it's like the. Having a, an album as like a musician, that's like the old, or like a, a film as a, a director, it's the ultimate um, goal to aspire for as a photographer. Besides like yeah. a gallery, maybe. Why not both? Yeah. So, what is the organization that you mentioned at the beginning at Crane Arts? Yes, um, that is Philadelphia Photo Arts Center. That's where I got my start in photography. Um, they, they do a lot of youth outreach. And they have a teen photo program, which is that's where, where I started. When they um, they take youth in Philadelphia and South Jersey area, and they they loan them a camera, and then they teach them photography skills, which is just awesome. Yes, and folks, I've been to them. Like I've been to that gallery before COVID, and let me just say, kids are definitely perspective and sentient and conscious of the world around them, and some of the photography that they they took, like some of the photos that they took, was just like they're really tuned in. Oh yeah, I think a lot of their work's better than mine, honestly. Aww. Uh, and, like, and, like they're just like I'm, like it's, it blows me away. It's awesome. And this is like a free after school program too. Do you mentor them? Um, not I haven't. I haven't I haven't had the opportunity to I did T T A um a bookmaking class, which is kind of funny. That we learned at Rutgers. <laughs> but yeah, guys. So again, this has been Austin Catino on this episode of Gigless. And we will be putting all of the links that he mentioned on our show notes page. So you'll be able to follow him on Instagram at Austin Catino. Right. Awesomely Austin. Awesomely Austin. That's right. And then his website is pain p a i n painandgrain dot com. It's um a reference to the struggles of learning film photography. No pain without grain. Yes. No grain without pain. Um, I like that. Okay. No grain without pain. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of Giggles. We we hope to see you guys back for our next one.
thank you for listening to the Gigglist podcast, hosted by Remy Leibovic and produced by Dane Wagner. The song used for our intro and outro is Beach Walk by Unicorn Heads. If you enjoyed this podcast, head over to our social media pages on Instagram at Gigglist Podcast and our website, gigglistpodcastblog.wordpress.com. There, you can find out more about the artist, contact the hosts and producers, and find out more about our schedule. Thank you.